Hello, college football fans, and welcome to episode 44 of College Football Throwdown. I'm your co-host, Alex Schmitz, and today I'm joined by my dad, Peter Schmitz. Hello, uh, football fans and Husker fans. That's right. Uh, we are here at the end of June, about just about two months away now from uh, the start of the season. It's starting to get there. You can, you can taste it in the air a little bit. That's true. <laughs> yeah. It, it, that's absolutely true here in uh, Traverse City today, Alex. It is, uh, uh, let's see, uh, it, it was 57 degrees uh, when I got up this morning. And, and so it's been a wonderful, cool, autumn-like day. Interesting, because I know that last week it was pretty warm there for you guys. Yes, but we're back to what I like about northern Michigan. All right. Well, for those of you who haven't listened to us before, this is College Football Throwdown. We are a college football po- podcast done by star or by college football fans for college football fans, a father-son duo here, and we're going to talk about our national topics before we get on to our discussion of our favorite Cornhusker Nebraska football team. But before we dive into that, we're going to commence with our tradition and open up a beer. I believe you can provide that. I am providing that in this wonderful Sunday afternoon. All right. Here we go, buddy. <laughs> there it is. really good. Yes, nice and satisfying. Cheers. Cheers. Yes, that's right. All right. So um, the first major piece of uh, national news that's happened since we last recorded is that uh, Bob Stoops kind of out of nowhere announced that he was um, going to step down from the head coach position at OU and that his offensive coordinator, Lincoln Riley, was going to step up into the position. Um as we discussed uh, off the air before, um, this seems like this is something that he's probably been planning for a while. This is like a dead period kind of in college football, so it's a good time to kind of peacefully transition over to a new coach. Yes, uh, exactly. And, and, and what was interesting about that is is it's, a, it's an uncommon time, and, and partially why it was a bit surprising. It's not an anticipated time of, uh, you know, coaching moves and, and, and all that because it, it, usually you would want to have whatever your staff is going to be in place, you know, prior to spring practice, right? Mm-hmm. So to, to have it happen at this time of year, uh, at, at first glance, might seem a little strange. But with a little bit deeper consideration, you begin to realize that, you know, in a, in a, when you're in a transitional thing like this where he already had and the athletic department was obviously already uh, kind of in the loop and on board, that Lincoln Riley had been positioned and they'd been working on this for some time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it sets up a, well, an interesting situation where I believe that Lincoln Riley guy, just like a few years ago, he was like an assistant at a smaller school. And now in just a few years time, he's now the head coach of the Oklahoma Sooners. So it's quite a, a rapid advancement for him. <coughs> Excuse me. Yes, that's right. Well, it, it has been rapid advancement and he, he's got a, He's got a great lineage uh, from as an offensive mind, and, and he uh, he comes from the uh, Mike Leach Texas Tech, um, you know, background. Um, literally took him out of uh, out of um, football and immediately made him into a coach. Like the next day, I think he was a walk on, and uh, Leach told him he couldn't play anymore, but he wanted him to coach. Hmm. So there's quite the story there. I don't know all the details, but that's my. My brief understanding of it from hearing an interview with Mike Leach right after uh, the announcement. Interesting. 
Okay. Well, and what's another storyline that people have been talking about with this is that uh, obviously we have a new coach at Texas this year as well. Uh, so it's setting up to be the first year, first year coaches going head to head in that classic Texas Oklahoma rivalry. Um, and so be interested to see how those two kind of progress if they're both able to thrive in this new environment or if one of them struggles or, you know, it just, it could uh, make for an interesting rivalry. Yeah. And, and, it, and it's interesting. And there's some parallels, of course, to Nebraska with regard to uh, the Tom Osborne and, and, and Barry Switzer uh, transition, Tom Osborne and Barry Switzer both took over uh, football programs that were being passed on by legends, right? Bob, Bob Devaney and, um, uh, oh darn it, uh, Bud Wilkinson from, uh, from uh, Oklahoma. Uh, Oklahoma. And so, uh, well, actually it was Chuck Fairbanks, I think, might have been the coach. But bottom line is, is that both, both coaches were transitioning from great success from, from, uh, into a new era, and they, they did it together. And, of course, the early years were dominated by, by uh, uh, Barry, and then, uh, and then the later years – uh, as as uh, uh, Barry ended up getting into some some challenges with the NCAA, uh, ultimately uh, you know Osborne started to get the upper hand, uh, and then uh, ended up uh, continuing his stay quite a bit longer than Barry. But but it was always fascinating, and there was always a natural connection rivalry between those two because they started at the same time. And so it will be interesting to see if Texas and Oklahoma. And, and frankly, uh, the bottom line is. It was great for both of those institutions because it was a natural rivalry uh, for the two. And they were so different in personality was also part of it. And so it'll be interesting to see how they dissect that in the media, the differences between Lincoln Riley and uh, and the new coach at Texas, um, whose name is escaping uh, Tom me. Tom right Herman, now. right? Tom Herman. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. With his both of them offensive uh, minds, you know, that had just incredible uh, success at previous stops, whether it be Ohio State or or more recently, Houston for for here Herman. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, and then the other main national topic that we wanted to discuss was just some drama that's been going on with the satellite camps. Um, obviously, last year we had the it was kind of this explosion of using the satellite camps as a recruiting method. Um, uh, yeah, Jim Harbaugh in particular from Michigan really going crazy with him, pu- publicizing it. Um, and so now the NCA this year has put in some additional restrictions, made it so it can only be at high schools, only for this certain period of time and all these sorts of things. Um, Actually, not at high schools, at colleges. I'm sorry. I keep forgetting that. Yeah. Um, But um, what's interesting now is that um, I believe it was Ed Oregon at LSU uh, was getting some heat for, like, uh, pressuring uh, some smaller colleges or in smaller high schools from like allowing uh, some of his competitors to have satellite camps within Louisiana. Uh. Right. Right. And, and so bottom line is, is that obviously you don't want people um, to be coming into your backyard and recruiting people that, that you want to have access to. So some, some, uh, you know, head coaches have, have made comments uh, whether they were necessarily intended to intimidate or to in, uh, coerce or encourage, uh, you know, the, the coaches and players from that state or region to maybe reconsider uh, their decisions to participate in some of these little regional camps or not, you know, uh, satellite camps. 
that's that's really the crux of it. And I think it's a mistake for any coach to to say that publicly, even though they might feel that way, because frankly, it 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 uh, it does not reflect well. The the optics, if you will, to use a today term, is not good for you if you are that guy. Right. Yeah. Well, and I yeah, I guess it's an inevitable kind of uh, uh, aspect of the satellite camps thing, uh, considering. Uh, you know, the coaches uh, ultra competitive nature and, you know, trying to right. hold on to any advantage that they can, of course. Absolutely. Well, and that's the thing is I think there just needs to be a recognition that, and I, I and I've been on both sides of this and complain out of both sides of my mouth. So I know I'm uh, kind of hypocritical in some of these conversations because I'm a fan. That's the nature of fandom. Uh, you're a little blind to things, but the the reality is college football isn't fair. Yeah, there are there are rules and uh, and circumstances that line up to provide significant advantages for certain schools and programs and conferences over others, and there always will be. It's never going to be completely fair. And uh, but uh, at the same time, when the NCAA tries to do some things that that help to balance and spread the wealth and and give more uh, an opportunity. Because I think the NCAA recognizes that one of the challenges that this game of college football, more than any other sport uh, in the NCAA, college football runs a risk of being completely dominated by a select group, a very small select group. It's even smaller than has historically been the case if they allow certain things to kind of evolve. And so, you know, you, you, know, you just want to make sure that uh, at least among the major sports that you don't have the sport become boring because all of a sudden every year it's Alabama, every year it's Clemson, you know, every year it's Ohio state. Well, uh, at some point you got to break that mold, right? There's got to be ways for teams to rise and fall a little bit more. Right. Right. Well, and it's not just a, you know, from the goodness of their hearts or for the integrity of the sport, it's also a money thing. And that, you know, if you have yes. like, like we had, we've had in the past where you like have LSU and Alabama, you know, playing each other in the, uh, in their conference championship and then having a rematch in the national championship, you know, two SEC teams, there's just no regional um, pull in other parts of the country there. Um, and it's fine for, you know, a little while, but if that becomes like a trend, then you lose interest, you lose eyes on TV sets. Um, and that's not obviously not what they want. Exactly. That is correct. Mm-hmm. All right. So if we don't have any other national topics, I think it might be time to move into the, the Nebraska side of the conversation. Does that sound good to you? Sounds great. All right. Well, um, one of the shakeups uh, since we lasted a podcast uh, at the end of May is that Bob Elliott, um, our safeties coach, is uh, vol- has volunteered to step down. Um, and Scott Booker, who is our uh, special teams coach, is going to be taking on the safeties duties alongside his special teams duties, and Bob Elliott is staying on the staff as a defensive analyst. analyst. I believe that was the word. Yes, that is correct. Now, now recall, Bob's not been with us. Bob hasn't actually coached a game yet uh, at Nebraska uh, and was brought on uh, in, in, you know, after the football season this past year um, in the hopes that uh, uh, he has battled a number of health issues and I don't know all the details of his health issues but but he, he had to take some time off uh, for a period of time at his previous uh, stop which was Notre Dame and uh, 
Um, but but he's just a highly regarded coach, and things looked like they were getting better, and it seemed like he was ready re- to resume, uh, you know, uh, the kind of uh, energy and and what do you want to say, burden of of uh, full time coaching position. And then uh, there appears to have been some reason for uh, the the school and him to collectively make the decision that it might be wiser for him to take a a different role, and uh, and so. Uh, that has happened, and 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 he has embraced that. From all I can gather, uh, you know, reading between the lines of commentary and such uh, that I've been able to uncover, is that uh, it it was just one of those things where he needed to remain focused on keeping himself healthy uh, and battling whatever uh, he is battling. Uh, but 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 at the same token, he still had something to contribute, and he loves it. He's loved his time at Nebraska. He wants to wants to stay, wants to be a part of the deal. So, uh, And we were lucky in that we had this other coach really waiting in the wings and ready to uh, kind of just step in. And from what I can tell, he has a pretty darn good history as a recruiter. Uh, don't know much about him in terms of his background as a safeties coach. I don't know that he's ever been a safeties coach before. He has been a coach at the Division One level, don't get me wrong, and he's done very good with recruiting. Uh, but I think it was in, in other uh, – um, positions like linebacker and some other spots. So it'll be interesting to see how he does. Now, I'm a big believer that a coach is a coach, right? And it's more about philosophy. If you are a coach that's familiar with the concepts of a 4-3 defense, then you can coach safeties or corners or linebackers or whatever uh, within that scheme. Now, switching from offense to defense is a little bit more of a challenge. And obviously, there's always little nuances that somebody who's spent years and years at an individual position, um, you know, might know. But in, in this day and age of information sharing, uh, that's the kind of thing that you can learn rather quickly. And so it's more about can he coach? Is he a good communicator? Can he teach the kids? Can he connect with the kids? All those kinds of things. So that's going to be the make or break thing with Coach Booker. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you for reminding me. I forgot that Bob was one of our newer hires. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it is is a shame that we won't be able to see him, you know, as our safeties coach uh, while we're, the season's actually going. Um, but right. it, it sounds like, like you said, it's purely a health related decision, not mm-hmm. uh, anything because of his uh, performance as a coach or anything of that sort. Right, right. And I think again, I think for Coach Booker, it's an opportunity, and I think he has a chance then to seize that that opportunity, right, and really do something with it. And he understands the three four defense. He's coached with with our defensive coordinator, uh, Bob Diaco, before. So he's a guy that, that knows the scheme. Uh, so it's not going to be starting from scratch, i got to learn this thing and go. He already knows it. Right. All right. And then um, another uh, piece of drama that's happened uh, a little more recently is uh, Keyshawn Johnson Jr. Um, uh, he has, I believe he is uh, had, had taken like a six-month leave of absence uh, from... Well, uh, at least, is that yeah. right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And uh, basically, you know, you you don't know all the ins and outs of that. It's a little bit uh, unclear. But bottom line, uh, we know from the media information that he got he got in trouble, found himself, uh, um, you know, um, um, at least uh, accused, uh, stands accused of of having some uh, uh, illegal marijuana um, and 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 such. And so he got himself into the doghouse, so to speak, a little bit for that. He's also struggled a little bit since getting to Nebraska. He came early, of course. He was 
he would have been a graduating senior this year and, and came at semester. So he finished up school early, was intending to, you know, enjoy that, uh, that jump of an extra semester in college, be able to go through spring practice, et cetera. But then he got injured. He had some kind of an illness as well. And so he, you know, he lost some uh, weight, he gained some weight, and it was, you know, good weight versus bad weight, all these different things that all played against him. He really never was able to get untracked for spring practice at all, didn't really do anything, was eventually just kind of shut down and said, you know, we're not going to do anything right now. And then he got into this uh, off the field uh, issue. And I think at that point, um, you know, um, he decided he needed to uh, take a step back and, and reassess. And so, you know, uh, I'm, I'm very hopeful that Keyshawn is able to kind of get it re-together, you know, reorganized and get himself back uh, to, to Nebraska maybe as soon as January so that he can go through spring practice next year and kind of get it going, you know. He has not attended classes to the best of my knowledge, so I don't know if his clock has started. So that's the good news from, a, uh, from an eligibility standpoint. I, I think that there's at least a chance that his eligibility clock may may not have started we'll see i don't know how i don't know all the rules on that right but uh I, I, more important than any of that is that he you know matures a little bit learns from his mistakes that he's made here uh and and maybe uh, to the the overcoming the challenges that he's been presented with even the, the health uh, issues and uh he'll come back a much more focused and dedicated athlete mm-hmm yeah, I saw a quote from his father, uh, Keyshawn Johnson Sr., about, um, like, basically that, that, like, you know, he needs to mature um, and then come back to Nebraska. And it was very much about, like, um, reputation of Nebraska, not, uh, not like, dragging it down, that kind of thing. Right, right. Well, you can tell that uh, Keyshawn Johnson Sr. has a great deal of respect for Coach Riley. And so the last thing he wants is for his son to in any way uh, tarnish or diminish, uh, you know, uh, Nebraska and by connection, uh, Coach Riley's reputation because of, you know, bad choices and some some immature decisions. So he's he's going to try to do his best to to help guide his his son. Uh, you know, uh, we'll see how that all plays out. I sure hope uh, for both Keyshawn Jr.'s uh, advantage and Nebraska, frankly. Uh, that he is able to get it together and arrive here and, and become a remarkable uh, student-athlete for us. Mm-hmm. That's the hope. Uh, one piece of good news is that we got a commitment for our 2018 class from Josh Moore, a very highly regarded uh, wide receiver. Um, so that's a, that's a good feather in our cap if, if, if it at all stays uh, true yes. to next year. Right, right. Yeah, Josh, Joshua was a... a a uh, young man who uh, um, is from Texas, and um, uh, you know he's left the door open for some other considerations. So he's he's one of those commitments that you you know is not completely solid, but he has a great reputation uh, uh, for work ethic and that sort of thing. It seems, uh, and his skills are are pretty undeniable if you watch his film. And he's a six foot three player, so he's 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 a bigger bodied uh wide receiver who could grow into something really special uh you know uh in the future and so we're hopeful that you know he he sticks it out and uh, is able to remain committed to to nebraska but it it just shows good good things are going on for nebraska on the recruiting front um Mm -hmm. if if i might just play into that for just a minute or so uh alex the you know we just uh finished up 
uh, our Friday Night Lights uh, series. Uh, well, this last one that we did just uh, this past Friday was a remarkable uh, collection of athletes who came in. They do a, this uh, big event uh, underneath the lights on Friday. They invite uh, people to come and enjoy the event from the public, and it gets well attended. And apparently it was quite the ambiance and environment for those kids to experience. And everybody seemed to have a good time and a very positive first impression. In some cases, the kids brought parents with them to, to take a look. Uh, and there were some highly regarded uh, players, including uh, one five-star linebacker from, I believe, Georgia, who was here and, uh, and had a really good time. So you just don't know what that might lead to. Maybe it doesn't do anything for that particular athlete, but as the as the season progresses, you know, things can change, uh, even for a young man like that, and he might uh, want to reconsider where his final destination is. Right. And that's why they recruit the way they do. And probably the big takeaway for me is it's just uh, additional ev- evidence that Nebraska really does have, uh, with Mike Riley and his overall staff, including all the recruiting team, He's got the right people uh, in place for us to at least position ourselves to, to, you know, get a look from a lot of premier athletes, a lot of talent, the kind of talent that could come in and make us relevant again on the national stage. Mm-hmm. The challenge is, can we get them not only to come and visit, but to now take that next step and make a commitment to the university and sign and ultimately come and attend the university. And it sure seems like, We've got a lot of those things going in the right direction. Now it's like AJ said in our previous podcast, uh, our guest uh, from last week, AJ uh, Schmitz, he uh, indicated that it, it, what the missing element is is winning. Yeah. We need to win, and that's the key. Right. So that, that might be a lead-in for you to another topic. Go right. ahead. Well, I was just going to bring that up in that, you know, we're, it's good that we're getting these recruits, you know, and getting some commitments, at least from some of these great players, um, while we're still kind of in this building phase. So, you know, if we could actually, you know, win a Big Ten championship, you know, then imagine how much better that recruiting could potentially be, you know. So that, that, that gives us um, um, room for hope, I think. Um, and just talking about how, as we've discussed previously, um, it's just so important for us to be able to get players to physically come to campus to see that unique environment and how dedicated the fans are here at Nebraska. You know, I think that's one of our big recruiting advantages and that hopefully with these new rule changes allow for official visits earlier and things of that nature, um, that, uh, we will be able to, uh, uh, you know, uh, extend more of those to players and get more players to come on campus and get that ambiance uh, and that that will be a powerful tool for us in the future. Absolutely. And, and, and again, so the key would be now that you've got all these positive vibes and you've got some, uh, you know, staff that are uh, pretty darn good at the communication and recruiting side of it. Are they also equally good at the communication side as it relates to uh, uh, coaching? And, and getting the best out of the players because I think we are, are definitely moving in the right direction in terms of the talent that's available for us to use on our team. So now the question is, can we get that talent ready consistently and uh, knowledgeable about the systems we want to implement and then doing it, you know? Right. And if we can get all that going, then life's going to be pretty darn good 
um, you know, going forward? Or are we ready to be a Final Four participant? Uh, no, probably not. But uh, can we start to move in a direction where we're where we're a legitimate uh, threat to Wisconsin's you know relative dominance here in uh, the Big Ten West since the creation of the divisions? Uh, I would say yes. I think we are moving in a direction that would allow us to do that. But you know, you have to do it on the field. That's right. Well, and also going off of what we discussed with AJ on last week's podcast, um, there have been more. Uh, you know, preseason rankings and top 10 lists and various, you know, speculation from the meet from different media groups and websites um, about uh, uh, what's going to happen in the 2017 season. Um, and that many of them are um, projecting either mediocre or even losing records uh, for Nebraska. Like, I think I saw one headline was that like of our, uh, six difficult games. They were saying that we were going to lose like five of them or something like that. Uh, right. So, so the I guess the the my question is: Is there something that these media people aren't are seeing that we just aren't because we're fans and we're a little blind to it, or are we seeing something that they're not seeing? You know, like which is it? <laughs> well, uh, we'll find out. Right. But, uh... <laughs> But I, I would say there, there's probably a little bit on both sides of that. I, I think on the, on the um, uh, you know, recognition side uh, from the national analysts and the, and the pundits who are, who are looking at Nebraska and, and looking at our schedule and saying where are the wins and where are the losses, I think they're, they're, they're able to be objectively honest and recognize that here, here's a team that, you know, was, uh, um, you know, um, uh, like not very good from a rushing yard standpoint, you know, uh, not very good from a passing yards, total offense. This was a team that struggled last year offensively, especially in the second half of the year. And then they also had a defensive collapse late in the season last year. So this is a team that, although they started well and we beat Oregon last year in Lincoln, the fact is, is that Oregon turned out to be a little bit of a dumpster fire themselves. And, um, and um, and we kind of ran out of ran out of in, energy or juice at the end of the year, mostly because we didn't have the, the proper depth at key positions that experienced some injury. And uh, so the question is, is that any is that really a lot different this year? And we don't have you know uh, an athlete capable of digging us out of challenges uh, like we have in the past at the quarterback spot. So I think they they look at it and say you've got a brand new defense. Who knows what that's going to, how long it's going to take for the players to, you know, uh, mature within that defense. And, and you have an offense that for the first time in the Mike Riley era has a traditional quarterback uh, behind center rather than an athletic quarterback that they've been trying to fit. So now uh, there's a lot of unknowns with that. And, and then you look at the schedule. And frankly, we, uh, we're playing Oregon at Oregon. Uh, that's going to be a very difficult place to play on any year. But now you got the added feature of Oregon with a new coach. Uh, and, you know, the unknowns that that represents um, is, is pretty, pretty big. But yet people know that Oregon roster has got talent. And then you look further down the, the roster or the uh, schedule and you see, you know, a Wisconsin team that was the, the, uh, uh, the, the best team in the, in the West last year. And we have to play them. And they look to be better than they were last year based on their returning uh, talent. And then immediately after that, 
you have Ohio State. So you have Wisconsin and Ohio State in back-to-back games, and then you end the season at, at Penn State and then versus Iowa, a team that beat you pretty soundly last year. So, so it's easy to see where you could do a little bit of math and say, gee, there's, there's five losses right there that I just mentioned, and none of those would be looked at and say that's a slam-dunk win. So you got five losses that are, that are, that are, in the eyes of an objective person, maybe likely, you know. Right. Uh, so best case scenario, you're seven and five, and any any stumbles other than that, and it could get worse. Northwestern's a team that people have been talking about. Minnesota's a team that people have been talking about. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, those are all teams we've tripped up with in the past, um, certainly, and uh, we do have a lot of difficult. Uh, competition this year as i brought up in our last week's podcast you know i think if we lose to oregon that would definitely uh be a bummer and not the best start to our season but um it won't affect our conference uh championship hopes at least um so i think if we lose there we can overcome that but like you say if especially if we if we get into a situation like last year where we have some key injuries and are unable to recover in the second half of the year then at penn state and iowa we get you know crushed um, then things could definitely turn ugly fast. I can see that possibility. Right, and and that's where I think the the analysts come from. Now I would put on the uh, the the Husker hat now and say what they don't understand is that uh, the 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 quarterbacking talent level that we have behind center now is although it's different is at a at a, in a positive way is is a very very uh, desired um, you know set of circumstances. Right, these guys uh, that we have have the skill sets that Coach Riley and and uh, and our offensive staff really have been looking for, and, and so you you like to think and and if you watch the spring game, you begin to see what they are wanting to try to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so there's some good things that could be happening that way, and then the new defense defensive system, although it is very different than what they were doing before. If the kids can get to a certain level of comfort level with it, you know, where they aren't having to think so much, then uh, in terms of the skills, it actually lines itself up quite nicely for the where our strengths and weaknesses are as a team. And so there's a chance that we could have a pretty decent um, defense by the middle of the year. And by the time we play that Wisconsin game in early October, we might be there, you know? Right. Yeah, well, and that was something I was thinking, too, that our, you know, we have a lot of unknowns going into this year, but those could play to our advantage if we're able to, like, execute our new offense well and execute the new defense well. Um, our opponents have not seen this yet either, so they won't be used to a Nebraska that runs a 3-4 defense, you know. So it, it, if it's one of those things, you know, if, if things go right and we're able to uh, kind of get it together, um, then those could play to our advantage certainly exactly i mean you, you you but we need some playmakers to emerge too you know we saw glimpses maybe that suggest that there's some wide receivers that might have playmaking ability but really the only proven guy that we have is is stanley morgan and of course he he's had some off the field issues uh and um um you know will likely be suspended may maybe uh, for uh, that oregon game game so, I mean, we might not even have his services for that game, which would be horrific if that were true, because with a young and fairly and, and, and very thin wide receiver core, 
made thinner by Keyshawn uh, Johnson Jr.'s decision to take some time off, um, we're uh, we're in a little bit of a hurt there. Uh, so we're going to need those guys to emerge. So there's some unknowns that you just don't know. Uh, and if they go in a positive way, then things could be good for us and we could surprise some people. But if they don't, um, which is probably more likely given recent history, then we could be looking to struggle this year. Right. Right. Well, and I, I know we've talked about this before about how, you know, like you've often said that you'd kind of prefer that there to be kind of bad press about us or press that's maybe a little more on the negative side um, to kind of give players some motivation and, you know, not build up expectations and all that. So then, like you say, if we do well, right. we can surprise people versus if they're saying that we're going to be great and then, you you know, you have to deal with egos and your kids getting yep. overinflated heads and that sort of thing. Right. And I'm not I'm not so much worried about overinflated heads because if anything what we need now is success so that our confidence will increase. I think I think we're we're way too fragile a team. We don't have a, a demonstration in recent years of the kind of that is required to to really be uh you know um, a championship caliber team and when I mean that in the terms of a conference championship or even a division championship. You you've got to when the chips are down have some guys make plays. Right. At the end of the day, that's what you need to have happen. And and we haven't had that in recent years. Yeah. Back there, did you say like the strength needed to be a, a competitive team? We you dropped there for a sec. Oh, I was no, I was speaking more about the the the, the, the not strength, but but the uh, uh, the the um, mental toughness, the right. mental aspect of it. Right. So. Mental fortitude there. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what's uh, that's what's interesting, you know, it's going to be a series of unknowns, and like you say, you know, with Riley finally having a throwing quarterback, you know, in his in his pocket, several, in fact, um, it, it could lead to some good things that they're finally able to get the offense they want going, uh, but mm. if if we don't see success, you know, and it seems like this year, you know, the pieces are starting to align for Riley, you know, then what does that say about his job security? You know, there's a whole lot of, uh, a right. lot of unknowns there. See, and, and that, that's why I think it's so critical. So as much as uh, I, I would agree with you about, you know, the Oregon game is going to be a very difficult one. It's also going to be a very important game for coach Riley, because it's a circumstance where frankly, um, you know, we won the matchup last year uh, mostly because uh, Tommy Armstrong was healthy at that point in the year and he was able to make some individual plays and, and, and Oregon's defense is not their strength. But uh, we're now playing into their strength more this year because we don't have that athletic quarterback that they didn't have an answer for. Now we're going to have to do it by execution of, of our offensive scheme. Mm-hmm. And um, that's going to be really important to us. Right. But if we if we can find a way to win that game, then we have a series of games, Northern Illinois, Rutgers and, and Illinois, that would allow us to build some really positive momentum going into that Wisconsin game. And where that mental confidence comes into play is October 7th against Wisconsin. Yep. And man, would that be huge because that's a home game. It's it's almost certainly going to be uh, at night, uh, I would expect, uh, if we had uh, you know that kind of success because we'd be in there. At five and zero, or maybe four and one at the worst, if if things go well, um, and uh, and Wisconsin would likely be uh, you know highly regarded as well. So that's a huge matchup for the Big Ten West. Yeah. And no. if and then and, and if we win that game, 
and we're effectively a game and a half ahead of Wisconsin within the conference. And that's huge. Right. Yeah, no, I I, I mean, I, we talked about this on the last podcast, too. I agree with you. That Wisconsin game was, without a doubt, the most important one of our year because, you know, and then we play Ohio State the next week, and 90, 90% chance, you know, even maybe even higher that we're going to lose that game. Like, but I, I can accept that if we can beat Wisconsin. Right. If we can beat Wisconsin and then because the Ohio State game is at home and we have a bye week, we have two weeks to prepare for an Ohio State game. So there could be uh, some opportunity to, to bring a few wrinkles to them, at least uh, provide the, the chance for us to be competitive with Ohio State, unlike last year's game. Right. And then uh, if we did that, and even in a loss, we're competitive. Another stretch with Purdue, uh, uh, Northwestern at home, and, and at Minnesota, where if we could take those three games, then we would be faced, facing the end of the season in that stretch with Penn State and Iowa, where now it matters. Now we've put ourselves in a position where, where you know, win those games, and we're, and we're almost certainly in, go one and one in those games, and we still might have a chance depending on what Wisconsin and Iowa are doing in Minnesota, you know, some of these other teams within uh, the, the West. So um, that's the, that, that would be awesome if we could get there. If we stumble out of the gate, you know, then all of a sudden say, you know, uh, lose to Illinois. We, we play Illinois on the 29th of September at night, at 8 p.m. Friday night game. You don't think Illinois is going to be rocking house at a, the first Friday night game in like probably years and years and years at Illinois, that place is going to be on fire. And if and if they see that we're a, a not very good football team, then the, the blood is in the water. And Illinois is a young team that's trying to make a name for themselves. They'll be on fire. They'll be lit. Right. I was just thinking about this, though, with what you are saying earlier. Isn't that Oregon game last year? Isn't that the one where, like, at one point, Tommy was on the sidelines, like, with an IV because there was something wrong with him? And he, yes. And he, you know, the team kind of, like, encouraged him, said, we need you out there, man. And he came out and put the team on his back and carried us to victory. Yes. And he was, yeah, he was cramping. It was super hot. I was in attendance at that game. And it was. It was crazy hot. Uh, uh, but the, the environment was very good. Um, and neither team seemed to be able to stop the other one. It was a lot of scoring, and, you, you know, that's what you get into with that Oregon uh, offense. It's just so so full of talent and speed that, that they're just running up and down the field on you. But we, we got to stop, uh, I think, uh, and, uh, and they uh, weren't able to stop us, and then Tommy made uh, a crazy fourth down play, if I remember correctly, uh, that uh, kept a drive alive and ultimately led to a, a fairly tight victory. And you'll recall all the two-point conversions that they tried. Mm -hmm. So that's a team that has a ton of talent. Right. No, I mean, yeah. You know, Oregon's always going to have talent. Um, Just a question of, you know, if they've got the coach to use it, and we'll find out if that's going to be the case uh, this year. It's going to be interesting for sure. Um, Yes. All right. Good, good. Well, I think that this uh, wraps up this 44th episode of College Football Throwdown. Um, if you out there enjoyed listening to us, you can email us at huskerpeat13 at gmail.com. You can find us online at uh, podomatic.com. We're footballthrowdown.podomatic.com. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, uh, subscribe, leave a, a like, review, rating, all that fun stuff. Uh, talk about us if you enjoy the podcast. Let it Give us some critical feedback. If you think there are areas we can improve, we're always looking for constructive criticism from our audience. 
Anything more you want to say to the fans out there, Dad? No, just really appreciate uh, uh, being able to do this. It's a lot of fun for us as a father and son to be able to chat about something we both have passion for, and uh, we hope other people uh, can enjoy and and uh, you know hear that in uh, in our conversation. That's right. All right. And so until next time, go Big Red. Go Big Red. Go Big Red.